Welcome. This is Cascade Church Portland's podcast. We exist to invite all people to join us as we follow Jesus together in bringing heaven to earth. You know that we are in a sermon series called Perspectives. And the idea behind it is to take one scripture and have four different preachers speak on exactly the same text four times in a row, which is exciting, right? I mean, well, let me tell you why I think it's exciting, and then we'll see if you can pick up a little bit on it. So, first of all, usually in a church context, you have, you have one pastor, often the senior pastor or the teaching pastor, preach the word every Sunday. And these um, pre- pastors are usually very skilled in, in teaching the Bible, and that's what they should do. But what has happened over the time of you know, like history, is that people have taken the teaching of this one pastor and have chosen to have him define the standard of what's right and wrong. And in the name of this one pastor, we often say, like, this is what's right in the Bible, and this is what's wrong in the Bible, or this is what God is saying. And to go with the sermon from last week, we give this one person a lot of power. And This way of going about it makes Bible interpretation look like it's always black and white. When we only let one voice guide us in our spiritual growth, we miss out greatly. Because when we dive into scripture and study its context, there's no way we can only reduce it down to one layer of interpretation. I mean, the Bible was written by hundreds, thousands maybe, even different people, like over over hundreds and thousands, thousands years of history. So, you know, people from all different walks of life. And so there's no way we can just say, like, it's one, one layer. It's like so many different layers to consider and so many contexts to look at. And what I see critical with this as well is, and I, I promise you I'll get to my sermon in a moment. Um, in today's church culture, it's, it's often becoming very common to attend church in the understanding that the pastor will, will help us um, or will tell us how to do life how to think. And where church is always and supposed to be a community of Christians where we get discipled and and where we wrestle with life and with scripture, it was though never meant to become a place where we stop thinking for ourselves. And you know what else? Going to church never meant to stop reading the Bible for our for ourselves. I truly believe that scripture is is more than just a textbook. I believe where it's described as a living word, a word that actually speaks for itself, a living word that has a lot to say to us on our current life and faith. It's a book that wants to be read and wrestled with and disagreed with at times because it's one of the ways we step into conversation with God. And I'm not saying that I have this totally down. I, if I'm honest, I mean, these days I often don't read the Bible. These days, I just don't seem to feel like it. I, I just don't feel like it till I actually do sit down and read. Till I, till I sit down and take the time and ponder the words until it leads me into this conversation with God. And then I realize why I do believe it's the living word. Because it always leaves me recharged. So, if you don't take anything away from the sermon today, and again, we'll get to it, 
now. <laughs> Please take away to consider reading in God's living word again. And bring your questions, bring your disagreements. And one more time, one more thing that I thought would be cool to share with you this morning, because I don't know, as I was preparing the sermon, I really felt like this is something to share. Um, I once heard a fun description from a Swiss guy on how there are different ways to go about reading the Bible. Picture a chocolate bar, okay? Chocolate bar. Depending on the situation you're in, you're opening up this bar of chocolate. Like, let's say it's like this amazing Swiss chocolate, like not Hershey's. I mean, if Hershey's is your favorite, then you can do that, but like Swiss chocolate Hershey's, you know? Um, but you know, you go with your style. So you open it up and depending on the time um, you're in and the day and the mood, you know, you might just feel like eating this whole bar over the course of the next while, you know? That's just, you know, you feel like it and it's okay. You do it and you eat the whole bar. Or then there are times when you look at a chocolate and you're like, you know, all I need is one little piece. I need this one little piece to put on, like, you know, to savor and to like take over my palate and to just, yeah, one piece and that's enough. And I think it's the same with reading the Bible. Like sometimes we go through a lot of chapters at once and we read the whole big context and we go through the whole big story. And sometimes we just read one verse and we like stick with it and we savor it and we like ponder it and we come back to it. And you know what? Either way is fine. There is no wrong way to do it. So I encourage us all, and I include myself in that, to be in the word as it is truly a place of finding answers and to become our own thinkers. And that is why I was excited when Kurt introduced this idea to me of like, hey, how about we have four preachers preach on the same text four weeks in a row? Knowing that we will all four take it in different directions and that it models what scripture wants to be. It's about diversity and it wants to challenge our thinking. And it's about God and scripture being able to handle our questions, our disagreements. So on that note, let's jump in. I'm going to read script, our scripture today. It's Genesis 28, 10 to 22. Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, which, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are laying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out the, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Lutz. 
when Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of that you give me, I will give you a tenth. <clears throat> okay, so here's Jacob, the son of Rebekah and Isaac, the brother of Esau. And whereas in the chapters before, we learned a lot about his parents' relationship and the very strained relationships between the two siblings, here in chapter 28, Jacob appears for the first time by himself. He is stopping the journey he's on for the night and is taking a stone to put his head on to sleep. It seems Jacob is traveling with very little because, I mean, you wouldn't use a stone as, you know, put your head on if you would be traveling with a sleeping bag and a pillow, would you? Which is interesting because we know that his family has money, or at least when his grandfather sent out a servant like generations before to get his father um, a wife, this servant was traveling in style with 10 camels and giving gold jewelry to the future in-laws. And you wonder how much his traveling alone um, has to do with the circumstances that Jacob is fleeing from his brother's hatred and threats. A situation totally caused by Jacob himself, as Jacob had been pretty deceitful to Esau. Jacob pretty much was all about getting his own gain, with his mom being his biggest accomplice. Jacob is not a golden boy by my standards. But like always, God um, you know, judges people differently. God chooses people differently. And however the circumstances Jacob is in here, a person of very questionable choices, resting his head on a stone, it is God that shows up in his dream. What's interesting about, about God showing up to Jacob, this is Jacob's first time ever encountering God for himself, outside of his family's story. In the chapters leading up to this moment, we can read that God is all over his family's story. And growing up, Jacob had often heard how his mother had received a prophecy over her son's life. And I mean, Jacob's grandfather was Abraham. So Jacob must have heard lots of stories about God meeting different individuals in his family. But this is the first time that Jacob meets God personally. And I think it's significant that it happens as Jacob leaves his family, as he is stepping out his familiar surroundings, as he's starting a new chapter in his life, as he's very vulnerable and alone with little resources on his own. It is at this point that Jacob, or that God appears to Jacob. And I think Jacob's situation shows something that's familiar to all of us, that we have been doing this adult life for some time. We can only live our relationship to God through others for so long. At the same, and the same for our life's calling, we can only live like what we're meant to do with our lives for so long through others. At some point, usually in our 20s, we actually need our very own moment with God that affirms us on the journey we're on. Eventually, life will lead us to this point where we will need an intimate, very personal encounter with God to know what direction to take our life and our faith. It might 
be because we're confronted with a big decision that no one else can make for us. Our life throws us into a circumstance where faith in God needs to prove itself to be real. In a healthy, real way of life, we can only live for so long till something comes along that will push us on our knees, where we need God to speak to us, to affirm us, and so we have, so we have the courage and the faith to keep going. And we need this reminder that God is there. Like uh, lots of you may know, or not, but my friends know, I just got my green card granted some weeks ago. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Thank you. A long application process that came to an end with that you know, announcement. And a long year of waiting. And always hoping that it would turn out okay. And so when I got my green card, I celebrated. And I was and I still am super excited for this confirmation on the journey that I am on. But you know what also happened? Ever since I got my green card, this little voice has come into my life continually nagging me. So now what? This is going to be it? Now you're going to just stay in the US forever and do life happily ever after? And to say, this past couple of months have been somewhat a challenge in that, as I have been asking myself a lot the question, what, actual, what do I want to now, what do I want to do now that I have a green card with my life? And you know what I realized as I've been going through this journey this last two months and talking to a lot of my friends in that? I need my own moment of God speaking to me, to affirm me in my calling. Only God can help me understand the journey, because my journey is individually mine, no one else's. And I must, might ask you to give me input and to discern with me what God is saying. And where someone is married, you obviously have another person closely involved in this process that you're on or in. But in the end, there's nothing to replace this intimate moment with God where he shows up and says to you, like in verse 15, I am the Lord your God, I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back, and I will not leave you. This morning I wish every one of us that we know we have God's individual affirmation, that the God of Jacob is also our God, a God who in Jesus and in sending his Holy Spirit is speaking so personally, so intimately to each of us. Who wants to affirm our individual callings. May it be about our future, may it be about our career, our people and our lives, our children, our ministry, our health, our life decision. May it be about forgiving others, loving others, taking care of others. Like Jacob, I need my own moment of God speaking to me to affirm me in my path, in my calling. Maybe you can relate. So, back to Jacob, though. In his dream, Jacob sees angels um, ascending and descending to the heavens. And then he hears God speaking to him, giving him his very own day before this encounter with God. This prophecy his mom has received, had received when she was pregnant with Jacob and Esau, it was clear that Jacob had been promised a future. Like, even though 
And even though he, he got it through very questionable circumstances, he had received a major blessing from his father for generations to come. But it is here that God actually personally states things directly to him about his future. And how does Jacob respond to God speaking these promises in his life? Verse 16 and 17, 17 say, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Jacob's God encounter leaves him awestruck. He is somewhat afraid of having met God. He acknowledges that this place is not just like any other. He acknowledges that this moment in his life is one of the great turning points. And Jacob reminds us here that when the God of the universe shows up in my life, it actually inspires awe. It causes reverence. It reminds me that God is creator God, who intimately knows me, who is the one that gets me. Jacob says in this moment how awesome is this place, which I think is the truest use of the word ever. I know Americans love their awesome word, and coming from the British English, it's very interesting how when you come here, everything, anyone, everybody is awesome. But if one person in our lives deserves, truly deserves the word, it's God. He is the one that, that should leave me, leave us awestruck because of his awesomeness. I should not forget that God, in all his love, in all his understanding, and in all the ways he is, drawing me into a relationship with him, he is an awesome God that we are in relationship with. And so in response, the next morning, Jacob goes ahead, pulls out his oil, and pours it on top of the stone he used as a pillow. He takes all in reference on how this is not just any unusual moment in life. He is seeking to show with an outward sign that this encounter is of extreme significance in his personal journey and for his walk with God. Just between him and God, Jacob wants to acknowledge that God just met him, that God just showed him something of great significance. The other day, I got talking to a new friend, and she asked me as we were getting to know each other, do you know what you want to do with your life? Again, this question about my future that easily makes me uncomfortable these days. Because in just so many ways, I don't know what my life is going to be exactly. And if I'm honest, I guess I always thought that with 33 years old, I, my life would look like everyone else's. I would live in Germany, surrounded by my family, married, most likely having kids. And so in trying to answer this new friend, I started telling her what actually had me end up moving to Portland in the first place. And that I, when I was 25, I had encountered God in a very personal way, and I ended up trusting him when he called me to come to Portland. Thinking that would be just for two years, and then I would be back on my personal you know, journey. Well, and after two years in Portland, I realized that I wasn't done yet. And I knew it had that, that at that point because God gave me this picture of a bird sitting in a box. 
With God, and God used this picture to show me that there was still so much more to come, that he actually was calling me to like spread my wings and to fly. And then again, the green card was, had been a point where I came to a crossroads in my life. And that was, again, where God ended up speaking to me, affirming me in my path. Well, and, and as I was listening, like, telling, like, myself, like, listening to myself, telling this friend um, these, these points in my life, I realized these are my stones of God encounters in my life. These are the stones that I need to take and to put oil on it and acknowledge God has shown up in my life before. Multiple times, in time of great questions and in time of need for decisions. And I need to look at these stones and to remind myself, in this moment right now, I may not know what's to come, but I'm trusting, I'm trying to trust and to do life well. And I know I have experienced God before. I've encountered him before. And I will again. That's what each of these stones stand for. But it's up to me to recognize um, these stones in my life for what they are. Because these experiences were so personal and so unique. I'm the only one who can really acknowledge them for what they are. So I guess my question to us this morning is, what are your stones? What are these moments in your past where you knew that God showed up? What are the stones that you, you want to take and put oil on and, and acknowledge that something major has happened at that point in your life? I encourage you today to revisit these moments. Maybe it's to take a time to journal um, throughout the week and to think about what were these like turning points with God or where did you feel like God showed up? Or to whatever it is that, that you know, is the thing between you and God where you speak to each other. Like, use this time to ponder and see what are the stones in your life. And to be reminded of the awesomeness of God. And that's not, though, where Jacob's story ends here. There's some, something more. Looking at Jacob's story, I'm reminded that each of these encounters are supposed to change us. These stones in our life journey of encounters with God they are supposed to lead us into a personal promise between us and God. Because it's up to me to believe that after a journey of wrestling and questioning, that the awe-inspiring God actually did show up. And it's fascinating how Jacob goes about it. He's not just happily filled with the God encounter with hearts in his eyes dreaming away. Jacob is still very much Jacob, the guy who caused his brother a lot of trouble, and the guy who has been fighting for what he feels is right. And, I mean, in his true personality, Jacob approaches God after just also having seen, like, angels, like, you know, going up and down in a true Jacob fashion as he is responding to God with a promise. And as he's saying, if you, God, will be with me, if you will give me protection, if you will provide for me, if you will make sure that I get to where and what you're calling me to, then I will accept you as my God. Then I will always remember what happened here and continue to put faith in you, and I will give, you, give back to you. And Jacob might stretch it with his bargaining with God. 
or at least he is a lot more daring than what I am comfortable with. But I do think he resembles something so truly human, that where we find ourselves in a vulnerable place and feeling a major call of God for the next season in our life, I do think there it is normal that we need God to continue meeting us along the way. That we have this just human need to say like, God, I, if I do this, I need you to, to be there. And you might notice from your own encounters with God, as much as they may have led you to pursue this opportunity that you felt God calling you into, you may have still been like me, who when I felt God pretty clearly calling me to Portland, that I said, okay, I'm going to do this Portland thing, but here God is what worries me. What will happen to my family? How will I provide for myself? And what if I die of loneliness in Portland? So in my own way, I think I had very real, true feelings and bargained with God somewhat. Will you take care? Will you provide? And you know what? I think that's okay. We are not robots. We're humans. We're feelings. He knows us. He created us. And I do think that these God encounters in our lives need to be followed up with us making a declaration and us saying, okay. I get you. I want to follow where you're leading me. I want to have faith in what you're calling me to do. I want to trust that you will need my, meet, my needs. I want to see you be there with me. So let me wrap us up this morning. I'm not saying in any way that my stones are comparable in significance with Jacob's stone. I mean, we are talking about Jacob, who later is renamed Israel, who is going to become the father of nations. And it will be years later that Jacob returns back to this place, to the stone, to what he called Bethel, as a changed man, having received his new name, being surrounded by wives and children, living his life's calling with still much more to come. Jacob's story will have extreme significance in the history of the Jewish and the Christian faith. So no, my stones are definitely not like the stone of Jacob here. But as I was preparing this sermon and studying this scripture, I felt very convicted to see it for the symbol it is in our lives. And I guess my question to, to leave us with this morning is, do you know of any God encounters in your life? Do you know of moments in your personal journey that God showed up? What are your stones of God encounters? And to see them for what they are, God's promise to us that he is here. And let's all keep eating this chocolate called the Bible, okay? Okay, amen. Let me... Oh. Let me speak a benediction, and I'll ask you to stand for that. God says to you, I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. 
I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. May you be blessed knowing that God loves you and that he is with you. May this awesome God fill you with his peace. Amen. Happy Sunday. <laughs>